Our scripture this morning comes from the book of John, chapter 11, verses 1 to 45. Now a certain man was very sick, Lazarus of Bethany, which was the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with myrrh and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent a message to him, Lord, the person you love is sick. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness doesn't lead to death. It's for the glory of God so that the Son of Man, the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer at the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just seeking to stone you and you're going there again? Jesus answered, aren't there 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to wake him up. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's falling asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I'm glad I wasn't there, so you may believe. But let's go to him. So Thomas, nicknamed Twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too, so we can die with him. Uh, when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews have come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. So when Martha heard Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise to life again. Martha says to him, I know he will rise to life again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus says, said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in to me, even if he dies, he will still live. And everyone who is living and believing into me will never die. Do you believe this? She says to him, Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. After she said this, she went and called her sister Mary, telling her privately, The teacher is here and is asking for you. And when she heard that, she rose quickly and went to him. Jesus hadn't come into the village yet, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, thinking she was going to the tomb to cry there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her also crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you buried him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus bowed. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him? But some of them said, hey, couldn't the guy who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again hurt deeply inside, comes to the tomb, 
it was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus says, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time it will really stink. He's been dead four days. Jesus says to her, didn't I tell you if you believed you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know you always hear me, but I said this for the sake of the people standing around so they may believe you sent me. After he said these things, he roared in a great voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man did come out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed into him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Patty. Um, oh, thank, thank you so much, Arnold. Let me, um, sometimes when, when the word's being read, I'll have this moment, I, I, I'll get kind of, I get filled with a sense of urgency, and I want to pray. So, um, Father, I pray that you would teach me how to preach, and you would uh, open our ears to all of us, and me included, to hear you speaking. And we ask these things. We had joined those Greeks who asked, was it Philip? They asked, we would see Jesus. Help us see Jesus. That's what we want and need right now. In Jesus' name we come to you, Father. Amen. Um, this is uh, number seven. This is number seven. Number seven. Number seven what? Number seven miracle. This is the seventh great miracle of the book of John. This is it. This is, I think, uh, honestly, in the narrative, I suspect when John included the story of Lazarus, he may have even written the book of John just to put the story in. I wonder. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke do not record the story of Lazarus. Lazarus, Lazarus, a full-grown man raised from the dead in front of many witnesses. Why don't they include it? There's been discussion and speculation about that. But I don't think we have to go very far to find out. Because we found out, we find out in, right after this story that this miracle, this miracle ruins everything. This miracle is a dangerous thing for Jesus to do. He, in a sense, makes a mistake. Of course, I don't think Christ made a mistake. But tactically, he's, he's blundering, it would seem. He's blundering right towards a cross isn't he? But he's not blundering. He's planning. He knows. He, he intends. He plans. He goes. He has, a, he has all sorts of intention about everything he's doing. But, but this miracle, this is too big, guys. You, this is too big. There's too many people present. Do you know what, you know what the Pharisees did? They said they were going to kill Jesus after they heard this because he had to get rid of him. They didn't believe it was a miracle. They, thought, they probably thought it was staged somehow. Maybe it was some sort of big trick but they knew they had to get rid of him and they had to also get rid of, and it actually says this, they planned to kill Lazarus. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written fairly close to the events and it's likely they did not record this. They record other miracles and other resurrections that Jesus did. He did others. But they didn't record this one because probably to protect Lazarus because Lazarus was under threat of death because his witness, that miracle was so loud, so big, so prominent, and so well-known. 
Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't record it. But John, John writing later, John, as he ruminates, as John is the apostle who ruminates over, he knew Matthew, he knew Mark, he knew Luke, he knew Lazarus. As a, a, he now recounts this, and I, I see the, the book kind of climaxing here, coming to, coming, it's going to climax even bigger later, but there's a beautiful sort of, the seventh miracle, and seven, John loves these patterns of seven. We know that. We know that from the book of Revelation. So, so, all right, so, this is, so what I want to deal with first, and I, I want to tackle this, is, is I, I, I want to tackle first, right out the gate, the hostility. The hostility, not, I don't think we have a hostile people here, hostile against Jesus like the Jews were because of your religious interests and the way he competes with them. No, I mean hostile this way. I want to deal with hostile skeptics. First thing right out the gate, I just have to, right? Look. I'm going to get up here as a 21st century man in San Francisco. I actually got, I, I'm well degreed by reputable institutions. And I'm going to get up here and tell you that there was a man who died who rose from the dead because Jesus said so. That's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to come up here and say. That's what I'm going to say that I believe that, that I'm willing to die on that hill, as it were. <laughs> and I'm willing to die for this belief and my conviction in it. But uh, the hostility, I don't consider it a hostility emotionally. I would consider it a, a, an intellectual hostility that somebody here might have. Maybe some of you, uh, even if you're a believer, there's a part of you that's slightly hostile. A part of you just kind of goes, gee, I wish, I wish Christianity didn't have these bits. You know, these are the weird bits. These are the bits I don't know how to get behind. These are the bits I don't know how to believe in or know how to trust. And I believe it, but I help my unbelief. Is anybody saying that today? I kind of, I like it, Chris, but help me because I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to get to belief when you start talking about people rising from the dead. <laughs> it's, it's a big one. It's a tall one. Let me visit with you as you're, if you're a skeptic, if you're aggressively wondering whether I can logically or empirically demonstrate any such thing. But let me deal first with logic and maybe pen tender with you and, 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 and please walk with me here because logically I'm so consistent it hurts. I'm serious, you cannot assail me logically. Why? Because I have a premise that a God has walked the world. Once I, once, I, once I believe that premise, you may say I need to establish or prove that premise, but once I believe that premise, once I accept that premise, resurrection is the easy bit, you see. You see, that, the miracles, the astounding thing, that's the easy, that's the easy part. It's that first premise, the idea that a God has walked, has roamed, has lived, has been in you, has been and can wear flesh and be a man. Whoa, that's the bigger claim. Hear me, I am logically extremely consistent. For I believe this first premise as it is presented to me by this report. Now, you could ask me, oh, Chris, your logic seems good. Your empiricism stinks, for I have never seen a man rise from the dead. And how do you accept me to believe others' reports? And I, sure, sure, this is where it might get a little more difficult for you, but let me, let me walk down what, what, some of what C.S. Lewis did many years ago and perhaps encourage you. Because some of you have read the Bible and you heard some of the words that Jesus uses today and you hear wisdom, don't you? You hear like a wisdom, a, an insight, a grace, a power in the words, a, a, and, and it's there. But if he didn't raise that dead man, then that was just a lie. That was just a phony setup. All those words of wisdom that come tumbling out of his heart and tumbling out of the announcement of himself, 
That's all just posing of a madman, of a loony. He's seriously, Christ is deranged if he says these things and they're not true. So I venture with your empirical demand, then how is it that he is, claims to raise people, or they would claim it, and say he's the master of truth and have beautiful words in his lips? Have you ever met crazy people? If you walk San Francisco very long in the Tenderloin, there's one at every corner. They're talking too. They're talking. You can stop and listen to them. They're usually talking about the Buddha banana they found in their cereal that morning or the ghost that's chasing them around the streets. They have nothing wise or insightful or beautiful to say to you or to anybody else. What I'm saying is, your refusal to accept Christ as God is not because of evidence. It's because you want to do what you want to do. And in the end, if a God has walked here, you can no longer live your life the way you want to. <laughs> you no longer be who you want to be. Things have changed, and the world is not what it seems. That's my challenge. I'm going to keep assaulted now. This, is, this winds up becoming an evangelistic message, it winds up. And remember what I told you before, many of us in this generation don't know what an evangelistic message even is. <laughs> So you might not know how to respond. I wanna, I wanna, and so I'm going to guide you into a response. But it's not merely evangelism today. Hopefully many of us will be encouraged. So let's, let's dive in here and into the claims of the text and see what joy we get out of it. First to do is that Jesus is claiming to be God. I hope you hear it. I hope you see it. We see it. It's all over. It drips. Uh, now I've said this before. Christ wears his eternal greatness in eternity like your favorite coat, like his favorite coat. You don't even notice it's on him. You don't even notice the way he walks with grandeur because he's so, it's so in him. It's such a part of his identity. But what, the, how does he talk? And this is what John delivers. How does he talk? We say this again and again. He begins statements in John with the name I am. What is this weird name? I am. As it's repeated again and again. I am. The Greek construction's odd and strange and unfamiliar. It comes from the Greek, from the Aramaic, and from a language that's, where this was the sacred, the holy, the precious name of God Most High. Christ owns it, and he's owning that he is a God. But then he has, an extra, he has something else. He does something that I think we don't even... <laughs> I've told you this before. Sometimes I think the only thing I really have to do here, if I could do this, if I could just make Jesus great enough and big enough and large enough and beautiful enough to you, that, that, that will change you. I believe that. I actually believe that. If you were to see him, as you will be changed. This is the way it happens when you come to Jesus. So I'm constantly trying to get his greatness. But I, did you see his greatness here? He uses the name of God, but then he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Okay, this is crazy talk, guys unless he is this, because you know what he's doing? He is saying, what? <laughs> I am a category. Who talks like that? Who walks into the world and says, there are categories of thought. I happen to inhabit them. I define them. I define life. I create resurrection in my body, in my work. <sighs> Who is he? Do you know him like this? For his name, his name is holy. It is the great I am. And his, he is beyond categories. He stands in front of a tomb saying, I am a category. Praise him. He is God. 
Third, I love the way, this is really from one of the, 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 the commentators. You notice this is beautiful way. I am resurrection. What does that mean? I am victory over the death of the body. What does this mean, believers? Your bodies will be raised. What does he say? I am the life. I am victory over the death of the soul. Believers, your souls will never die. <laughs> oh, look at all the, ah, oh, who is the savior? Look, if I can get him big enough, perhaps. But I, perhaps, perhaps he's too big for you. Then, then listen to his tenderness. Perhaps the categorical Jesus, standing in his majesty, standing in his glory, announcing these amazing names is kind of off-putting. Well, then listen to his heartbreak. Listen, to, you know, honestly, there's no theological place for this. Do you understand that? In my the this, this theology is in what? This is God? No, this is the God man. Well, we, look, at the, look at how moved he is. Look, he, he can't, he's wrestling through the situation. He's so deeply identified with their pain. He's feeling it. I sometimes even here, remember they, they make the comment, hey, couldn't you imagine how hurtful this would be if you're standing next to the, 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 the tomb of one of your best friends and then people around go, why didn't he heal this guy? He's a loser. You hear it? And again, it says he's hurt again deeply. He is wounded. He is wounded. He is in. And this is why I love Jesus as a God savior, because he comes into my pain, into this world, into its hurt. And because that's where I am, guys. That's where I am today. I struggle with depression, darkness, fear, loneliness, depression, doubt. How about you? Because Jesus is sidling up next to me, isn't he? He's sidling up next to you, sidling up next to all of us in the dread that we live in this life. I mean, he doesn't just simply sidle up to know it. He sidles up to feel it, to a drink of it. And, he's, and this is, he's still like this. He's still like this. He's that transcendent one, but he's still this person. When John meets him in glory, when he's burning, Christ in glory is burning like the sun. He's the I am, the beginning and the end. He's the categories, right? John falls down as though dead. He's so scared. He had walked with Jesus for years. And what does Jesus do when Jesus sees John in, in that beautiful scene in Revelation? What is he, what's the first words he says to him after John falls down as they're dead? Don't be scared. Don't, he reaches out and touches him. Don't be scared. This is Jesus. This is the person I'm inviting you to and towards. This is the person, if you perceive his greatness and you marry that greatness to the, the depths of compassion and identification with you and your sin, you see, oh, maybe the wonder of his personhood will grip you, grab you, and, and cause you to worship and trust. But he's more than that, he's God. A God has walked. He's man. But he's also God and man working with a purpose. You hear purposes all over the place here. The sister sent a message to him, Lord, the Lord, you love is sick. Jesus heard it. He said what? He knows there's a purpose. The glory of God. So the son of God may be glorified through it. All of that eternal divinity and power is married to a depth of compassion that acts in the world with a, with a, with a purpose. But he waits, doesn't he? Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Look at, the, look at verse 6. That so is a, is, a, is, a is a conjunction, right, of result, of therefore. Because he loved them, what does he do? Because he loved them. Do you hear it? What does he do? He lives with intention. He lives with a purpose of his glory. He lives with a purpose to save you and me. 
but he waits for Lazarus to die. <sighs> There's a, there was a superstition at the time that in, amongst the Jews that if for three days, for three days your soul would roam the world looking to get back into the body. It's just a, it was this idea that was, it's not in the Bible, but it's just an ancient idea that was around at that time. It's a superstition. It's probably alive in certain cultures that you come from today. But, but, uh, but he waits, he waits, he waits two days longer. Why? In order to make those days count because he loves them. He's, if anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees, what's he saying there? I am moving under the light of God's will. I know and I see. I am moving with intention. I know what's happening to Lazarus. I have no illusions about what Mary and Martha are going through. I know what's happening. I am, and then he even says here, told him plainly, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. So you may believe at the end, as he does the miracle, what is the point? There's a point to glorify God, but there's another point. What is it? That you might believe. There's an opportunity for you to get drawn into the story, for you to get pulled in, for you to answer. Now, why, why is this so important? Why is this so important? Because of this painting. Now, many of you know how much I love Rembrandt. Many of you know how much I love Rembrandt. We just read a story and there's a whole bunch of characters in the story. Rembrandt is in this picture. Do you know where he is? He's right here. Rembrandt takes himself, and he takes the story of Jesus' death, life, and resurrection, and he puts himself into the story. Why? Why does he do that? Because he believes that Jesus is a substitute for sin. Because he believes that Jesus is the, he believes Jesus is the resurrection and the life. But there's more here. Because he, you see him, he's taking the body down. Is he one of the workers? He looks like he's maybe dressed. Is it Joseph? We don't know who he's supposed to be here. But he's a participant in the story. Now, I want to go back to this story from, of Lazarus. Where are you in the story? I'm serious. Because Christ, that's a picture we're all standing around. Where else is he standing around? Maybe you're just standing there. Maybe you had some belief in God and you, it's real. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're just curious or, stupid or, or confused by everything. But who are the people standing around? This, I get this from uh, <laughs> an old friend of mine used to say there are three kinds of people in the world. There are the people who make things happen. There are people who talk about things happening. And then there are people who stand around and say, what happened? <laughs> All right, so <laughs> we're kind of going for that kind of category, right? We're trying to get to those kind of categories. Which one are you? Which one are you? You have the skeptics. The skeptics who engage with their, with their doubt, the resigned and the indifferent, the confused and the dumbfounded, the, the spectators hanging back, the faltering faithful, or the hurt and disappointed. They're all here. The skeptics. Did you hear them in the text? The mockery, the tone. It wouldn't even matter if there was a miracle to see. Even if you did a miracle, that miracle just becomes a way to accuse you for the next one. You see? It doesn't matter if they have a miracle or not. They're using that one to criticize for the next. There's no heart of faith here, is there? The skeptics stand as they always have stood, watching from a distance, criticizing, taking their pot shots. Why? Because to get any closer would mean you would change. You see? They've got to keep their distance. What are you going to do? Is that you? 
Do you, in a sense, maybe you've perhaps watched First Press, you've come occasionally, you look at it, you can look at it, you go, this is interesting, interesting claims. Boy, he seems excited. I can tell that Chris believes this. I don't know if I do. Sure, but is your skepticism a thinly veiled attempt to evade what you know is coming? The reality of God in your life. Because I know you've done, people do that all the time. I remember one kid raising his hand. He goes, Chris, I got a question for you as I was presenting this material. He said, what if I just don't care? What if I just don't care? You know what I said? Thank you, brother, for saying that because so often the resigned and the indifferent don't even realize it. I am, this is so much the Christian in San Francisco. Have you ever heard this? You, people come to San Francisco for their faith to die. You ever heard that? I suspect that's not really true. People come to San Francisco and the truth of their faith gets exposed. That's what really happens. The truth of their faith, the depth, whether it's really rooted in God is exposed. And you find out. But the resigned and the indifferent, I see this. You hear it in Thomas. You know, Jesus was already confronted. They already tried to stone him several times. They tried to grab him. They can't grab him. They picked up stones to throw at him. They didn't do it. And, they, and, and you hear it. Oh, well. And I know some of you are like this. You know, I don't know whether God has somebody for me or not. I don't know whether God has a job for me in this world. I just don't, I don't even know if God cares. I don't care. I don't, you know, and holding everything at a distance with a sense of, you believe, but you know, it doesn't really make a difference. Oh, I feel so bad for you. I really do. But praise him. Praise the Lord. You know why? Because Thomas did die with, for him. <laughs> he did. <laughs> but with joy as a martyr for the faith. <laughs> All right. The confused. Oh, boy. I figured this has got to be at least 80% of the room. Uh, all right. Come on. Aren't you confused? Are you confused? This stuff's bewildering. You know, like, what's going on? Is he going to Jerusalem? Who is? He said he's crying. I don't know. Why? Even the disciples are in this group. And they're just like running around, bumping into each other, not really getting it. Oh, do you hear it? And do you, don't you love him? Because <sighs> all those confused people standing around, scratching their heads, not doing anything. But, but, but what does Jesus say at the end? This is for them. <laughs> Our Savior has a soft part, a soft place in his heart for confused people. Don't you feel better, Peter? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Who else is kind of confused around here? I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm going to pick on somebody. <laughs> no. This is the next the spectators. See the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. One of the, one of the, one of the, there's so many weaknesses to the way that I present myself. I know that I'm aware of my, my idiosyncrasies as a speaker. But I, I've also observed over the years that people will come just because they find it entertaining. <laughs> and so, oh well, I'll take what you can get, right? But there's a lot of spectators out there just watching. Now, maybe they're waiting to see if this really works out or not. But let me tell you something. If you're a spectator waiting to see if it's going to pan out or not, waiting to see if maybe this God thing could work for you, God may be very kind to you. He's very kind to these spectators. But let me warn you, spectating, this is not a spectator sport. And there are, there are difficult words and there. Oh, how I hope. You know what I'm really hoping? If you're kind of a spectator today, get ready for this. I'm just praying that God's just going to jump out of the text. I'm serious. God does that. God has a way of doing that. And the truth is a way of kind of jumping out at you and kind of kind of, oh, I didn't expect that. And that's what I'm praying God does by the Spirit today in you. But then let's get down, let's get closer to heart. The faltering faithful. 
Martha, oh, Martha, do you, do you see Martha? The Jews just asked Jesus, are you really the Christ? Or they're going to ask him. And, 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 he, and they're asking him, and he, she knows it. She says to him, Lord, I believe you're the Christ. And he says to, she says, your brother will rise. And she said, I know you'll rise to life again. And uh, if you had been there, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, and Martha, she runs out to Jesus and she's got kind of, but in faith, what happens in the end? Take away the stone. What does she say? What does she say? What's all her announcements of faith? It's a lot like mine and ours. It's a lot like our, a lot of ours, aren't they? A lot of us have the words, and we know, we know the words, but we don't know the tune. <laughs> we know the words, but we really don't know the song. It hasn't really sung into our heart yet. Martha doesn't really believe that Christ is about to raise Lazarus. You know how many Christians I meet all the time who don't believe God's about to really do something? In the end, they have a lot of good theology. Maybe you have good theology today. Maybe you know Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of sinners who died on a cross to get forgiveness for all of us if we believe in him. But I love two, two things here. I want you to hear the rebuke of that, but I also want you to hear Christ's amazing tenderness with us. Isn't he tender? That you how many times have you posed with your theology, Jack? How many times have you guys done it? You just posed some theological answer. Your heart wasn't in it. Maybe a prayer, maybe a well-wishing for somebody else. I'm going to pray for you. And then God went and answered. Did it ever happen to you? And you got to go, I don't think I prayed with any faith at all. Anybody do this to me besides me? And what is happening here? What do we see? And what do we, part of the crowd is Christ. He's so tender with faltering faith. I love him. What, well, how much faith do you need, brother? Tiny, 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 tiny little bit. And that's enough here. Boy, I love that. And then finally, this last group. The first time, when you have little kids, the first time they pray for something and they don't get it. I mean, like, they pray for a puppy and it doesn't happen or something like that. You know, like, you know they pray for this stuff and it doesn't happen. And Uh, this pastor, I'm going to tell this story. Steve Brown said he could never find a place for this story. I think I just found a place for it. They're hurt and disappointed. This pastor's true story, his cat had gotten up in a little pine tree in the backyard. And this pastor had a clever idea. He tied a rope. They couldn't get the cat down, the kitten down. So he tied a rope to the tree, backed his car up, tied the rope to the car, and pulled the car forward to bend the tree down to reach the cat. Well, it worked until the rope broke. And the rope broke and snapped. Cat went flying. Kitten went flying. A few days later, um, the pastor was at the grocery store, and one of his parishioners, a small town, was buying a bunch of cat litter, cat food, and a, and a, and a, and a cat crate and everything. All the stuff at the store, he looked at her. He said, you know, Margaret, I didn't know you had a cat. She said, Pastor, we didn't. But you wouldn't believe it. I told my daughter she wanted a cat. And if she really wanted one, true story, she could go in the backyard and pray for one. While she went out and prayed there, you would not believe what happened. A kitten came flying out of the sky and landed in the backyard. <laughs> if you think that's outrageous, I've seen Jesus do stuff like that for me. And if you ask around here, you'll meet people around this room who have had the same sort of miracles happen for them. <laughs> Jesus is in the... But let's, let's, let's revisit this, though. She's sad. And it's not phony. And it's not fake. 
And he does not rebuke her either. He does not challenge her. He doesn't tell her, I heard Christians, I hate when Christians do this. You shouldn't be sad about that death. I mean, he's still going to be resurrected. Don't do that. Listen to Jesus. He's mourning with them. He's mourning right with them. Death is so awful. It's so awful. He's going to go to a cross just because of it, because he hates it so much. He's going to put up with all of it just to kill it. That's how much he hates it. And he's broken by it. And some of you have prayed for things for years and have not heard an answer that you, not, God has not provided for you. And there's a lot of hurt and disappointment. But I want you to hear it. I want you to trust him. I want you to trust him again. Trust him anew. He is the great I am. And he feels with you in the bowels of his compassion with your problems. But because he loves you, he waits sometimes. Because he loves you. Because he wants to reveal his glory. Because he has purposes. Trust those purposes. I know it can be hard. I've had a hard time. You know, like I've been like, why this and why that? And why did this happen? And why this pain? And why this fear? I know. Trust him. He cares for you. Now, I forgot one group. Did you, did you notice this? I forgot a group. I wrote up, the, you know, it's very telling that I wrote this outline and forgot this group. In fact, when I realized I had written the outline and put it all together and realized I'd forgotten one group, I'd forgotten one of the most important, it's the one group that you're a part of. It's, it, well, what am I talking about? All the spiritually dead folks in the world. You have either been one or are one right now. <laughs> and that's the truth of everybody. You see, there's another audience here who couldn't hear any of this dialogue. Maybe you were sitting here and I was talking and you've not heard a thing. But maybe you'll hear this final word. When Christ says to you, I love you, come out of death and believe into me and have new life. Maybe you heard it today. I don't know. Maybe you'll put your trust in his blood and his life and his resurrection power for the great I am has come to bring new life and new, new, new wholeness, eternal life to his children. Praise him. Give your life to him. Surrender to him. Make him known. And finally then, why do all those people believe? You know, in the end, it was because Mary ran out and they all followed. And as this kind of wraps down and ends, and I want you to hear this. Us as people, whether we, we, we've moved from indifference, or we've moved from pain, or we've moved from uh, f uh, faltering faith, we've moved from skepticism, guess what? As you move towards the great I am, and you see his love, and you see his purpose, and you're drawn to it, God also wants to do one more thing. You're going to go and draw others. You're running to him. is going to break down a path that other people are going to run behind you because they're going to see the life in you and in us, and we are going to be an announcement of God because he has a purpose of showing his glory to San Francisco. He has a purpose in love of chasing down a bunch of people. He was chasing you all down. He's been chasing us down, hasn't he? He was chasing you, Grace. He's been chasing, he's chasing you, Sharon. He's chasing us in his love. It's happening right here, right now, in this church. Praise him. Let's all be a part of it and praise him. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all your patience constant love. Thank you for dying for sinners. Thank you for loving us when we, we posed our theology 
or when we were indifferent, or thanks for loving us when we were skeptics or confused. Thank you. Speak now through our confusion. Father, speak past our faltering lips. Father, speak better than our skeptical hearts. Father, Father, move to us with the Spirit now in love. And I pray that somebody would come to eternal life today because of you and your love. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Amen. Amen.